Children's Church and our Spanish speakers. If you want to head with Pastor Marcelo, you can. You can go ahead and open your own copy of God's Word to uh, back to Revelation chapter 12. And um, your weird preacher is going to stay in the book of Revelation through, uh, through Christmas, so John's excited about that. Um, anyways, uh, but we're not going to start in Revelation this morning, uh, but we will uh, get there uh, very quickly. And so... Uh, one of the, you know, last week we highlighted um, whenever Christ came, how his love came. And we looked at the opening part of chapter 12 and, and saw this picture of, of, uh, of this child that's about to be born and how the enemy was crouched ready to devour the child and, and, and why, why he wanted to devour the child. Uh, and it, it had to do with the, the, or the, the selfishness of the serpent uh, and his desire uh, to conquer the Lord. But we learned undoubtedly that he will never win uh, in a battle against the king. And we'll talk more about that over the next couple of weeks. But this morning we're going to talk about peace. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is really where uh, you have to make a decision when you talk about your faith what do you really believe about faith? Um, you know, I was talking to the crew, the, the junior high kids on Wednesday night, and I said, you know, either, you know, what we do with our faith is just, you know, just kind of religious practice, and uh, we really don't believe all this mess, um, because, you know, when Christ came, whenever the angels proclaimed peace, um, either he was wrong or we have the wrong idea, maybe, for some of us, what peace really is. Because anything's been but peaceful on the earth since then. Uh, but I hope and pray this morning that we'll have a good understanding of what true peace is. And I hope that you have peace in your own life and in your family. But let's just, we'll just look at this uh, this morning. Uh, the title of my sermon is Peace in the Heart of the Accused. And you'll, under, you'll understand in just a bit why I have that title uh, but uh, in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, in fact, we'll read that in our Advent reading next Sunday, but that, that is, uh, you know, right after the events, after Jesus was, was born in Bethlehem, we, we see this picture that the first pronouncement of, of his birth uh, to other people outside of the home where he was born were these shepherds in this field. Many of us are familiar with this text, but the, there's different translations that, that tell us what these angels said as they were singing and proclaiming the coming of the king. Uh, but in Luke 2.14, they say, Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors. Actually, glory to God in the highest heaven. That's what my translation that I study says. Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. And that, that makes us feel good. Jesus is here. Christmas is here. We should all know peace. Ah, peace. Okay, it feels good. Unfortunately, in our culture today, this is the time of year when many of us don't feel any peace. We're so tired. We're so busy with school activities, family activities. Praise the Lord. This is going to be the first time since I've known Rachel as I look around, maybe it won't be because I don't even see her. Maybe she left. I don't know where she was. There she is. Okay. You're not sitting in the right pew, Rachel. Okay. First time in, in, in the entire time we've been, we've been that we're not going to go travel all over the place at Christmas time. We're going to stay put very briefly 
don't tell my mom yet, but we'll tell her later. But because, uh, man, we're just so tired, and, and it seems like there's not a lot of peace. Now, you know, I, I believe real simply that peace is the absence of conflict. Let's just put it that way. Peace is the absence of conflict. Um, uh, you know, conflict can rage, can, can, can this huge gamut of, of war, we hear about that, uh, or just conflict in our families or in our relationships at work or, or peace in our homes with our family. I mean, we know what conflict is. I don't have to give any illustration to describe that. But what does real peace look like? And especially whenever you look at this text and you hear the pronouncement that, that Luke recounts about these angels, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth. It's a qualified peace, though, to people he favors. That's the key to understanding what peace is. And we talk about Christmas and the coming of Christ. Peace is available to us, to those that he favors. And so when I read a text like that, um, you know, it, it makes me want to know, how do you find God's favor? Because I really need some peace. I need that. We all need that. But I believe that peace will always be elusive to those who do not have God's favor. Basically, whenever God is not present, there's going to be chaos. But when God is present, there will be peace. And there, there, there's going to be a fulfillment there of knowing the king and, and, and not in this battle. We know in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every single one of us have conflict, and it's because of sin. So the question is, how do we find this peace? How do we find God's favor? So now we're going to turn to this crazy uh, text here in Revelation chapter 12. Uh, we're going to look uh, primarily at verse 7 through 12, and we're going to come back and hit the bottom part of that scripture again next week. It's, a, it's really interesting. And, I, and please know that I'm not trying to milk every part of this text that I can because there's so much to this revelation. Remember, though, John is writing to the churches that he had planted. Uh, he, is the, the, uh, he was the youngest disciple that followed Jesus. We read about it in the Gospels. He's on the island of Patmos. He's an old man now. Uh, and uh, God is, is, is giving him this vision and he's, the idea of revelation. It means to, to pull back or to reveal what's going on. And, and, and there's clearly Scripture in Revelation talks about the things that have happened, the things that are happening, and the things that are to come. And a lot of times in this vision, in this narrative, this, this prophetic uh, narrative that we see, we understand that there's a lot of past, present, and future happening all at once. And we're kind of see that here now. But to understand what's happening around us in the spiritual realm, understand what the conflict is about, and understand as a Christian how we are to stand in it. The text we're going to look at this morning uh, is a very clear text to that. But just follow along, and I'm going to read Revelation chapter 12, 1 all the way through 12. A great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and a crown of twelve stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in labor and agony as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven. There was a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven crowns. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in heaven and hurled them to the earth. And the dragon stood in front of the woman and was about to give, who was about to give birth, and that when she did give birth, it might devour her child. She gave birth to a son, a male who's going to rule all the nations with an iron rod. 
Her child was caught up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God to be nourished there for 1,260 days. Verse 7, then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought, but he could not prevail. And there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out, the ancient serpent who is called the devil, and Satan, the one who deceives the whole earth. He was thrown to earth and his angels with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them uh, before our God day and night have been thrown down. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you with great fury because he knows his time is short. Now, does that text just put you in the Christmas spirit? I don't know. It, get, it gets me in the Christmas spirit, and I'm just weird. I know that about this, this great story. So we, we see the opening there in the first six verses about, uh, you know, it, it's the, 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 the gospel account of, of how Christ was born. And, but the conflict that was going on, I mean, whenever we, we, we read about the fact in, in the gospels about how Herod, who was king underneath the Roman authority, heard that there was a Messiah, a king to be born over Israel. And whenever he heard, remember, we know the story, he had every male child in Bethlehem under two years of age murdered trying to preserve his position and his power we I mean we we see the the imagery here of what Satan was trying to do and talk about the perverse things that we experience understanding that these attacks this conflict we have in is so wicked and sometimes we look at our, our situations and we get really just just myopic about you know look at me look at me I want you to know there's the conflict of the world is a result of sin in this enemy and he is he is messed up and it, it's very clear and it's going to get even worse as the time goes on you know there was a time uh before world war i guess it was it was before world war one there was this great ecumenical council and they the, the, the declared because of the progression of a, of, of a culture and, and where we were as a society and the industrial resolution there was there was going to be no more war it was going to usher in this great time of peace and what's happened since then Something like 200 million people have been killed. We will not know real, true peace on this earth until Christ is present here because of this enemy. But then, as we see this quick gospel picture of what happened um, you know, in the past, it's, it's the, there's a transition, and it says to another scene, then there uh, broke out in heaven this, this great war. And we wanna, I want to just talk about that just for a minute, that this great war that happens. And uh, it, it's pretty cool drama. Um, uh, you know, it, it is difficult to place exactly where this might be. And I want you to know, Christians and commentators are all over the board. This war that, that happens in heaven, basically, war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. We, you know, up earlier in the, in the chapter, we see this great dragon and his tail swept away a third of the stars from heaven. Uh, you go back to the book of Isaiah, the book of Ezekiel. Uh, you know, there, there's references in Scripture about that conflict and how, you know, the, you know, the 
followers, these other angels who was following Lucifer, a great angel. Uh, there was this conflict that he wanted to be as God, uh, and they fell. And so it's almost kind of a retelling uh, of what happened in this conflict again. Uh, my position is when we read about this war, it's a picture of what happened in the beginning early in this conflict. But then it transitions as Satan is thrown down. It transitions into this, this great hymn that is, is declared in heaven as a result of this. And uh, it's really hard to place it like I said. And my view on it as I've studied it is that th- this is not angels singing th- these songs as the enemy is thrown down and he's on the earth and he's defeated. Because we know that there's still conflict. It ha- the defeat happened in heaven. Some people think that that, 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 that never Satan was thrown down happened at the crucifixion. Uh, some people think it's something that's going to happen in the future. Uh, I'm, I want you to know, I think this, this, this conflict has already occurred, okay? I think this, this conflict occurred way back at the beginning. And I, and I believe that this is a, a, a process that's still playing itself out, but he has been thrown down to the earth. But then there is this great celebration about the defeat of the defeated enemy in the lives of his believers. And I believe we have a picture here of dead saints that have followed the Lord that are looking down declaring the glories of Christ as we see this enemy conquered again and again by his disciples on the earth. I think, I think that's, that's how I interpret it. I want you to know there, there is uh, some room uh, of, of, of disagreement here. Uh, but but here's the, the main thing as we look at this. This enemy, the, the, this defeated enemy's name and his vocation are clear to understanding why we have no peace individually and why we have no peace here on this earth. Let's go back and look at it real quickly here as we get some context clues. Just just listen. I'm going to go back and read some of these verses again. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels also fought, but he could not prevail. I love that part of the story. And there was no place for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was thrown out. The ancient serpent who is called the devil and Satan, the one who deceives. A, A key vocation of the enemy is to deceive people is to deceive others and not knowing the truth he was thrown to the earth and his angels with him and all and then i heard a loud voice in heaven they began to proclaim uh he says the salvation and power and the kingdom of god and the authority of christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our god day and night has been thrown down he's the accuser scripture says that other places quite often and I just want us to j- j- just hang out there for a moment and think about the struggles you have that define the lack of peace or the conflict you have in your own individual lives or the peace or, or, or the conflict that defines others around us or even in this world. It has a lot to do with deception and it has a lot to do with accusation. And we see that Satan is the author of this. But I really want to understand how is it like we started with the premise of this sermon. How can we have God's favor? How can we be in a place where we can really know God's peace? Well, I'm going to go back and look at the original, um, you know, beginning workings of this accuser. 
Uh, I, I read this, I read parts of it last week, but in, in Revelation, it has you, you to understand the context of Revelation and what's happening here, what's going to happen, you got to go all the way back to Genesis because that's, where the, the, that's the beginning of this conflict. Revelation is the revealing of the end of this conflict. But check it out as we go back again and look at Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 7 to 13, the result of sin as Satan, uh, you know, deceived, uh, the, you know, mankind as he deceived eve and then adam uh, that it says then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves then the man and his wife heard the sound of the lord god walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze and then they hid from the lord god among the trees of the garden so the lord god called out to the man and said to him where are you And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he said, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, The woman you gave uh, to, to be with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree, and I ate. So the Lord God asked the woman, What is it that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me. Now, I, I just want us to look very briefly uh, and at, at the result, I mean, the woman, that's the first description of Satan, the serpent here. He deceived the woman. And what happened whenever she was deceived? Their sin was revealed. And, and they all of a sudden, it's almost like, you know, we think about, I, I want to just say this too, as I'm talking a lot about the enemy. I'm trying, I mean, the Christmas story is about the Christ coming. Uh, and I, as I was studying, I thought, man, I don't want to just be preaching the sermon about Satan at Christmas time so much. I want to talk about, you know, Christ coming. Um, and, 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 but, but what does it mean when he comes? But we, we see the, 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 the outcome of this deception. Now, we are all individually responsible for our own sin, okay? So don't leave this morning thinking, man, I feel better about myself and my sin. It's the devil's fault, Okay. He is at work, okay? But if you are feeling okay about your sin, you're just feeling okay about the work of the enemy, okay? That's not the point of God's grace. It's about being freed from sin. We're still individually responsible. But what happens whenever the the deception occurs and, and Eve buys into it and follows through with this deception? I think it's revealing here that it says all of a sudden they became aware of their shortfallings. They became aware of their own sin. Now, now think about the work that the enemy does. Think about that. He accuses um, and he deceives. I, I want you just to, just to become aware just for a moment um, about, about the, the personal struggles that you have. And, 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 and what makes them so effective, especially whenever you yourself are involved in conflict, whenever you're arguing with your spouse, or you're at conflict at work, or maybe conflicts that have been lingering for decades. I mean, we all know what this stuff is, okay? Oftentimes, we are dealing uh, with, uh, with, with great guilt, okay? We're dealing with, with shame about believing horrible things about what others say about us or about what we even think about ourselves. Uh, the majority of the time that I, I get in an argument in, in my home, uh, it, it has way, way more to do with me 
in my state of mind and what I'm thinking about myself than what it has to do with my children or my wife. I don't know if anybody else is in that camp, but I am the greatest enemy in my house oftentimes in the, in, in the conflicts that I experience. But, but I want you to know that is something that was, that's bred into us as Paul talks about we're born into sin. Uh, and, and whenever we think about what the enemy does, the, the, the primary thing he does is working in this world to deceive people just to slightly, slightly be convinced that I am right and what, God's want, what God wants is wrong. He just wants us to slightly get off kelter just a bit, just enough to cause doubt to creep into our mind that the things that God says about me, the things that God says about my family, what God says about this world are not quite what he says that they are. There's just a shadow of a doubt. And then as soon as we, we give him just an inch, he moves and our sin nature takes over and just begins to wreak havoc in our life. And, and I mean, I, at least that's how I put my finger on it. I, I, I really and truly believe that, that that's what, what robs peace from us. I, I believe that we fall short of living in the kingdom, and we fall short of living for the king whenever all of a sudden the, the, this doubt and this concern and, and, and the, 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 the thoughts about ourselves, we don't want other people to know about us. We don't want other people to know about our struggle. We want to hide it. And if, and if, and if we're, 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 we begin to come into conflict, um, instead of dealing with it in a healthy way, we just want to, to deal with it in a, in a way that, it, that is broken. Now, I don't know if that makes sense for you, but I just think about this original fall, the deception that, the, that, that was played out upon mankind by the enemy. And what's the first thing that happened in, in the garden? They realized something about themselves they hadn't noticed before. And whenever God showed up, what do they wanted? They wanted to hide it. They didn't want anyone else to know about it. Whenever we read here in, in Revelation about the freedom, the proclamation, about what has happened whenever Satan is thrown down, we see a few things we're going to look at here. But the, here's the main thing. I want you to know this about, about peace. <clears throat> if you have a relationship with God, you do not need to hide who you are from other people. Now, that means as you come into a relationship with God, you have to confess your brokenness, and ask for his healing and his effect. You don't have to get healed and you don't have to get right to come to God, but you have to reveal yourself to God and then begin to walk in following Jesus in a way that you don't have to worry about hiding who you are from other people either. That's one thing about, about Christmas time and the holidays. I mean, I love Christmas time. But there's so many people that, you know, you're around a lot of new people or you're a lot around Christmas time. And, I, you know, we, it's all festive and fun. I talk about this often. And when I talk about this to the junior high kids, they relate very well, okay, because they're still pretty honest. But how so many people just walk around with a mask on their face, not wanting to be really revealed. And I want you to know, when we talk about peace and we talk about the gospel, it's about being able to take off your mask 
before God, not having to hide anything, being completely vulnerable before, before him and asking for his full and complete help to be perfected in him and not being perfected before men or for men, being completely open and asking for his correction and his help, but begin to walk before people unashamed. Right? That's a, there's freedom and there's peace in that. Let's turn back to the, to the text here in Revelation. Um, and, and we're getting close to being done here. We'll land the plane pretty quickly. But uh, let, let's come back here because th- there's, there's something, like I said, that there's happening here in this text. There's this great war and this great conflict that's happening in heaven. But then it's almost that's, that's where the scene is. And then he hears this voice. That, that, this, this, it says, I, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, The salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have now come because the accuser of our brothers and sisters that tells us right there this is not angels okay these are brothers and sisters that have, that, that, that that have been accused who who was uh, who, who, that because there was a defeat because the, the accusers of our the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been thrown down and then it says they conquered him they conquered him, and, and I, whenever you see by the blood of the Lamb, number one, angels don't recognize, don't have a full grasp of the, of the strength of the, the blood of the Lamb. What is that? that that's that's, that's, that's the, the, the slain of Christ. That's the, sacri- that's the gospel. That's what Christ has done. That's the atonement. Angels don't understand the atonement because they've had no need for the atonement like we do. I believe this is a clear proclamation from the saints. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. As we look at this text, I'm going to just talk about three things, about how we conquer the enemy and how we claim peace in our life, how we find this favor. I want to talk about there's, there's three weapons here. I'm a hunter. I'm a man of the West, and I, I like to talk about weapons here, and this is talking about war, so we've got to talk about these things. I want to talk about the weapons at your disposal. Um, now, why, come on out, buddy. Talk about a man with weapons. Here he comes. Come on up here, Wyatt. Come on up here. Now, these guns are unloaded. The bolts have been removed. They're completely safe. Uh, we, were, we were at Thanksgiving uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago, like many of you were. And what I got to just say that this is an AR-15, and it does not stand for assault rifle. I want everyone to know that. That's not what this stands for. Uh, but my son, I'm very proud of my son, all my kiddos, but Wyatt worked this summer uh, and saved up money, and he bought this with his own money. And how many deer have you put down so far with this? Three. Just two. Okay. What's up, man? He shot like three more with another gun, so that's what that's about. But we were at Thanksgiving uh, at uh, some other family's house, and I'm going to tell you, all of our family, it's not all the same. One part of the family, they dress differently, and their houses are set up differently than mine. Does anybody have a family like that? Like there's like crystal everywhere, and there's nice furniture, and nice things. It's not bad. I'm not downplaying that, but ours is not like that, okay? And, and we went over to this family gathering, and... Um, you know, we had cousins there from California and from people we hadn't seen in years. And Wyatt had just got done stalking deer out at my family's place. And he's dressed like a hunter. Uh, and he, he was trying to talk to his family and talk to people he didn't know. 
And he was kind of awkward about it. He said, I don't know how to talk to these people. I was like, well, son, I've been doing it for 20 years. Just sit over here with me, okay? That's just, that's, that's, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have that. I said, well, hey, what? Here, I gave him a picture of him holding this gun that he's so proud of. I said, go show this to your grandpa. It's great-grandpa. And so, you know, that, that's a conversation starter. So he went over and he took this gun and he showed it to, you know, this picture of his gun. And his grandfather saw it and said, ooh, that's a dangerous weapon there. That can really hurt people. Wyatt didn't know what to say, so he just came back and sat down and said, I know, son, I've been trying for 20 years. Just stay back here with me. I said, son, the next time someone tells you that, say, that's right, that's a dangerous weapon, but it's, it's a lot more dangerous when it's in the hands of a dangerous man like me because I know how to use this thing. But, okay, so there, there's that gun. But then the main part of the story, I just had to show off Wyatt's gun. But this is my gun, okay? This is a, a 308. This is a hunting rifle. It's got a bull barrel it's got a scope that Eddie gave me. This gun belonged to my grandfather that I, that I lost two years ago. And um, when I moved to Mason, I wasn't much of a hunter. In fact, I did a lot of road hunting as a kid, okay? That was sinful. That was wrong. Shouldn't do that. Uh, I don't think I'd ever shot a deer. Le- no, I'd shot one deer legally um, as a teenager, but I hadn't been hunting. I never, we were fishermen. But Wyatt loves living in Mason, and he loves to hunt. And he was talking about hunting, seeing the tetters and hit their kiddos. And, you know, it's all about mason and neating. And so we want to go hunting. I didn't have a rifle. I didn't have any money. So I remember I, th- there were three guns that belonged to my grandfather that he had inherited from a distant relative um, about 30 years ago. And I remember these guns were sitting up on a, on a, on a, on a shelf over the gun cabinet, and as kids, we would go in there and just look at them. Anybody ever do that as kids, just go look at relatives' guns? And, you know, sometimes you would open the cabinet, and they didn't know it and mess with them. We don't do that, do we, son? That's right. Uh, But I remember these guns, and so I I got permission from my grandfather uh, to use a gun. And uh, I took the gun out, and I looked at it. I mean, it was so dirty, and it was so nasty and I looked, I mean, I, I don't know, I didn't know a lot about guns, but I knew enough that if I tried, number one, I didn't even know what it was. It was, it was, it was made by a gunsmith. We didn't know what caliber it was. We didn't know anything about it. And so if I just would have randomly stuck a bullet in there and tried to shoot it, and if it would have fired, good chance it would have blown up and it would have really hurt me. Because this gun, a gun, gun is a tool, okay? A weapon, it has a purpose and a reason, uh, but this weapon had been sitting up on the wall for decades, and it was absolutely worthless. Well, I took it to a gunsmith and got it cleaned up, found out what caliber it was, and he told me how, how invaluable it was. And, and now, you know, we, we use this gun on a regular basis, and now it's very effective. Now, I tell you all this, you going down there, son. Because we look here at the answer of how this enemy is defeated. We see that the angel threw him down, but then we see this great proclamation about the defeat of the enemy on the earth. Over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look and see that this conflict has moved from heaven. And this conflict is now happening here on the earth, particularly the conflict against God's church on the earth. But but here's the thing that I want you to know. Whenever we see this great voice, this loud hymn in heaven that's proclaiming that the accuser has been put down, that salvation has happened, and verse 11 says they conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. Here's what I want you to know. If you do not have peace, if you do not have conflict, 
If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have weapons at your disposal to put them to work against the enemy and against the struggles in your life. The problem is a lot of Christians go into the fight every day without being armed. They're not dangerous. They're just vulnerable. And Satan does not have to work very hard to conquer us and to put us down because we're just walking around helpless. I want you to know you need to be like my son Wyatt when it comes to shooting deer. You need to be a dangerous individual against the enemy and against the conflict that we face. But in order to be dangerous, you've got to get these guns off the shelf. You've got to get them cleaned up. You've got to get them prepared. You've got to get the right ammunition. You've got to be locked and loaded and ready to go. Because the enemy, clearly Jesus says, his purpose is to seek you out and to destroy you. God's Word tells us that. And if we know the enemy's doing that, we need to be prepared and not be steamrolled by the enemy. There's three weapons here. I'm just going to hit them and we're going to be done. But first off, it says they conquered him. They conquered the enemy by the blood of the Lamb. I love it. Guys, the gospel of Jesus Christ is our greatest enemy against accusations and against deception. Whenever somebody tells you that you're a loser or someone tells you that you're a failure, and normally the one that tells us these things more often is ourselves and not other people, whenever you are told that, you need to look the enemy right in the eye and you need to tell him that you've been bought with a price. You're a child of the Most High God because of the blood of the Lamb, the sacrifice of Christ. My blood is what should have been shed, but Christ has shed his blood for me. It means that I don't face the penalty of sin any longer. But we don't have to live like we should die every day. We can't, we shouldn't die spiritually every day because we have the gospel. And so we need to be prepared to face accusations. And I, here's what I'm telling you. It doesn't mean it's a get-out-of-hell free card and just go live like the devil and not worry about going to hell anymore. It's about knowing that you've been freed from the consequence of sin and you've been enabled to live for the king now. So tell other people, and that leads into the next weapon. So we live with the gospel as, as our mission to live our life, but we also take the gospel with us to tell other people about it. But then look what it also says in verse 11. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. I love this. It's not just that you have the gospel like you have the rifle. Up. You have to do more than, get it, than have it sitting up on the gun cabinet, Okay. If, if, if an enemy comes, I want you to know you break into the parsonage, the First Baptist Church of Mason, and if I'm not at home, you're going to be shot at, okay, because Rachel has a gun. I don't know if she's going to hit you. But if you break into my house, you're going to get shot because i got guns and I know how to use them, okay? But if I don't get them off the shelf, they're of no use to me. The same thing with living this life against the enemy, If we don't do something with this gospel, we don't live out our faith in his gospel and share his gospel, it's of no use. Look what it says in the text. They defeated him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? Number one, it means that there there is a testimony that they have themselves of proclaiming who they are to other people. 
They, they, they know people that, that know these folks that are being victorious and defeating the enemy, the defeated enemy on the earth as they defeat them again living out their lives. It, it is obvious because they are gospel people. They love people no matter who they are. doesn't matter where they come from. They're reaching out to them and they're living blamelessly because Christ has made them blameless and enabled them to live for him. But then also a testimony also represents what other people can say about you. Okay? And this is what the gospel is so great about. And I think many of us know this. In the trial against ourselves as we face the great judge, we cannot have testimony against us accusing us of our sin and what we deserve because Christ is going to be there as our advocate. But what do people say about you on the earth? Can people give a testimony about you and about your faith and about how you live for the king? Or do you open yourself up to accusation every day by living in fear, by living trying to hide your sin and just living for the devil? Or do you live in a way that you're open and honest about who you are, where you're from, but what Christ has done? And do you live for the king? So the gospel, his testimony, and the last thing, and we'll be done. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, for they did not love their lives to the point of death. Now, this third part here actually goes with this idea of testimony. But here, here, here's what, this, what that verse means. They loved the Lord Jesus in living for him more than they loved themselves. They were selfless people. They were not marred by selfishness. They were not marked by just living for internal pleasure and earthly pleasure. They gladly lived their lives in a way it meant that they were dangerous, but they also might live in danger because they're standing on truth and they're standing for the gospel. And by those three weapons, the enemy gets his tail kicked every day. And I just want you to know by those same three weapons, we do not have to live fearfully. We, can, we do find God's favor in the gospel, but we can live knowing what real peace is. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to say thank you. Thank you, God, for a chance, Lord. Father, to not have to participate in the conflict of this world, Father. Lord God, I I do know that maybe for some this idea of peace sounds uh, completely subjective, But, Father, I do believe, Lord, there is massive conflict happening around us all the time. And, Father, we pray and we look forward to your kingdom to literally come on this earth someday as this book of Revelation reveals the truth of that happening in the future. But, Lord God, you, Lord Jesus, told us to pray that your kingdom would come today. And, Father, that means that we can know peace. We can know your favor. Lord God, we can live in a way, Father, that we can magnify your name and know your purposes and share our lives with others without fear of people knowing our our struggles and knowing, knowing our insecurities. Because, God, we are completely open to you. And, Lord God, you have told us that you are making us right. You are working in us for your purpose. And, Father, I pray, God, you would help every single one of us, Father. Lord, to not just let this the knowledge of the gospel or the testimony of our family or our parents or our friends father lord be what we think we hold on to but lord god we would take the gospel off the shelf 
And Father, we would live dangerous lives, Father, prepared, Lord, to love people no matter who they are. Lord God, prepared that no matter what comes, Father, that we are going to show people your love through ourselves. But Lord God, also share your truth, Father, and, and know, God, that you've got a plan to use us for your glory. Father, Lord, let us know what real peace is, Father, by, Lord, allowing us, Lord, to be in conflict, not against other people, but against the enemy. To know, God, that you are victorious. Father, I pray, Lord, you would give us peace. Father, I know as we have a group this size, Lord, that there are people that have struggles going on in their lives. And, Father, Lord, they have, they have been told so many things by this world and by other people about themselves, Lord, that they come to the point of believing that they're worthless. They come to the place of believing that they're not worthy of, 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 of having friendships and relationships. Above all, not a relationship with you. Lord, thankfully, God, your word has told us, Lord, that every single one of us are broken. Every single one of us are sinners. And, Lord, you have come to set us free. The accuser's words are broken if we will claim your gospel, if we will turn to you, Father, and say, I will follow you and not this world any longer. God, I pray you give people freedom this morning. Lord, if there's anybody here today, God, that does not have a relationship with you, and they would like to know what it means to know you, Jesus, to be free from conflict, God, I pray, Lord, that you would give them peace this morning. Maybe they need to have prayer and to talk with somebody. Father, maybe there's somebody here that says, I've had that peace. I know what that salvation is, but it's been sitting on the shelf for a long time. And they need help to get it off the shelf. God, would you help them today? Lord, no matter what the call is from you, I pray, God, that your people would respond. Would you stand on your feet? We're going to have a short hymn of invitation. Don't respond to this preacher, but if God is calling you to respond in prayer, if God's calling you to respond by seeking out help or somehow... Would you please be quick to respond to God this morning? Is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. Oh
for us, Father, is not won by us. Lord it's, it's, Lord, it's won by us taking advantage of the weapons. But God, we even know 